Welcome to 2020, the era of innovation. The Automation Alliance podcast brought to you by RapidMation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Automation Alliance podcast. And today we are thrilled to have Ruth Santangelo, a global technology manager with over 18 years of experience working in technology across multiple industries. Most recently, Ruth has joined the Optus team as Associate Director of Digital Service and Automation. And Ruth has a focus on pioneering and paving the way for business and IT to collaboratively deliver automation and RPA solutions across the business. So Ruth, welcome to the Automation Alliance podcast. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on your podcast. This is my first one and very excited to have the conversation with you. Oh, we really appreciate your time and we know you're, uh, you're really busy, so we really appreciate your time and I'm sure there's going to be some invaluable insights as we go through the session. So Ruth, just to get started, I mean, you and I, well, I was lucky enough to sit on a panel with you last month at the UiPath Hyper Automation event, and that was titled Automate to Thrive. Uh, and on that, or at that event, we had an excellent discussion on how you can demonstrate value from automations from day one on your automation journey. And today, we're going to go through that again, just so that you can share some of your invaluable knowledge with the listeners today. So I think just to get started, Ruth, why don't you start off by telling us a bit about uh, your RPA journey? Thanks, Sean. So I started my RPA journey a couple of years ago, about three or four years, when I got involved helping the business with addressing some of their pain points using RPA as an alternative to a traditional IT integration solution. As you know, RPA can be a fast way to achieve business benefits. And I've been really fortunate to be involved right from the inception, which has allowed me to get an end-to-end view of RPA while working with over 10 business units right across the organisation. We had many business units champing at the bit and keen to use RPA, right from finance, supply chain, networks and customer service being some of the early adopters. And while I was working on RPA with these business units, I had the opportunity to look at everything right from how to get the initial benefits from the bots through to selecting the right platform and how to develop bots as well as maintain the bots that we already had so we could continue to obtain the benefits that were envisaged. Yeah, awesome. Such a great story, right? And and I guess having started off that journey at Optus, right? I mean, how did you actually start by building a business case if you hadn't actually done RPA before? What, what did you use as the baseline to get started? Well, we looked at the benefits and ROI of automating a process just in the same way as we would any other initiative. So how you increase revenue and or reduce costs. Also, we looked at it from a lens of cost and time benefits of RPA versus a traditional IT integration solution. RPA is often a quicker, lower cost solution to create the business benefits as soon as possible. You can also look at how to increase productivity using RPA. For example, bots may be able to process things faster and run 24 seven compared to a person. Another benefit we found was employee experience. A bit of an intangible benefit, but what we found is people learnt new RPA skills and automation freed them up to do other work that they preferred to do and they didn't have time for before. One of the first business units I work with achieved what I call the trifecta. They reduce costs, 
increase their revenue and process faster. And they also had the added bonus of employees engagement was higher as they learnt new skills and enjoyed having a bot work for them doing their repetitive work. The trifecta. I love that. I'm going to take that and make that my own and quote you every time that I use that. But, uh, but I, I just love your story there because, right, obviously these cost savings are very key. But as you say, like this employee satisfaction and all the other things around it, some of those kind of non-tangible things are really, really important when people start off on their RPA journey. Um, it leads me to something, I mean, often people ask us about how they get from zero to success really quickly. And I'm going to bounce something off you. I want to see if this resonates with you, right? Because I often tell people the, the one piece of advice is to always focus on the outcome. So at the beginning of any automation in this initiative, there's generally one of three reasons why someone starts an automation initiative. The first reason is often to save costs. Um, the second reason might be to increase efficiency. And that's all about people doing more with less, which is, I guess, especially relevant in the times that we're in now. And that really talks to some of the things you were just saying there around employee satisfaction, right? Mm -hmm. And the third one that I often say people or why they might start an automation initiative is because they have to, and that could be to meet compliance or regulations or things like that. So I often say when we start off the program, it's vital that everyone across the team is aware and on board with the outcome that we're looking to achieve. Um, and if we can actually get everyone on board with that outcome, what we can do is we can create a plan, uh, break that down into several digestible chunks, deliver on each of those chunks, but most importantly, take those people with us along for that journey. So does that resonate with you? I mean, is that some of the, uh, the ethos that you guys use over that side? Very much so, Sean. I totally agree with you that engagement is key. Because what and some of the ways that we've um, brought people on the journey, as you um, mentioned, was by running builder bot sessions. We hosted hackathons and learning fiestas. And we encourage people to come with their ideas and bring tasks that they found repetitive to work on a solution with us and some of our RPA champions. And that's part of the training we offered to help people with their everyday jobs. Yeah, I love that, that strategy, right? So we've been recently running a number of these Build-A-Bot sessions, um, and I've actually heard about many of your successes. So uh, I, I must be honest, I think I might have quoted some of the successes you guys have seen um, when I was initially setting up a few of these. Um, and I think it's because more and more people are interested in this type of technology, right? Um, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, if we could get rid of the boring stuff, uh, why wouldn't you adopt it? And one of the little quotes I always use with customers is don't hate it, automate it, right? I love and, it. Yeah. And I, I just think that the whole concept of automation is really about people, right? And people often mistake automation for getting rid of people, where actually most of the time it's about how we can help our people do more with less. So again, going back to some of the key ingredients that we've kind of figured out on our side is that you absolutely have to take people along for the journey that involves discussing their goals, their objectives, getting their buy into the program and ensuring that they understand what impact these automations are going to have on their day to day and how it's going to actually free up their time to do more with less. That's right. We, we encourage people to embrace RPA by seeing bots as part of their team and the bots augmenting the teams to assist them with their workloads. We get teams to name the bots and have the bots reporting to them. So 
For them, it's like having a junior team member to do the work they prefer not to do. And we use automation to create new or different skill sets for them to see it as a new way of working in tandem with the digital workers. Yeah, I love that, right? Because we tell our customers give their bots names and personalities. Uh, it's kind of your digital colleague. It's doing the stuff we don't want to do. Uh, in an example, in our world, we've got Bender and Marvin, the paranoid android. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yes, we've we've had things like Star, Star Wars theme bots, Matrix themes bots, and what I described when I first heard about it as a menagerie: uh, tigers, bears, sharks, birds. The team culture really comes out when you're doing naming of the bots, and I feel it really encourages them to make the bots a part of their team. And this is so important because it assists with future change management. So it's not just for fun because when they think about a bot as a part of their team and they have a name to that bot, they will think of the impact not only to humans, but also the bots when a business process changes or a system changes that may impact the bots and the work that the bots do. And this is really important. Yeah, no doubt, right? And often, I mean, the one thing we, we get our customers to do is actually do a full 360-degree review um, of that robot and it being part of their team. And often that bot gets the best score, right? And I guess the reason why it gets the, the best score is because it's doing all the work that we don't want to do. So the team members absolutely love it. Yes, and it's often doing it well and consistently because it doesn't have a preference for the type of work it does like humans may do. Yeah. And Ruth, on that, like, how do you guys measure the success of a bot, right? So is it about the number of hours that it saves that specific team or do you have specific scorecards for individual bots? What, what, are, you, what are you seeing in that space? Well, we do quite a bit of monitoring and looking at things like utilisation and the transactions it processes. So there's a number of different key things and levers that can be pulled in this respect. Uh, so we have now 24 by 7 dashboard and monitoring that looks at um, things like that and bot utilisation, sort of like a workforce management system for bots. Yeah, brilliant, right? It's really, really nice. Yeah, and it's quite funny because we build these nice dashboards for customers as well where they can actually see the amount of hours that bots save. And often when you actually reflect on that at the end of every day or week or month, the amount of work that these bots can churn through is actually quite unbelievable. But as you say, it's all of that work that none of us really want to do. That's right. And you can see if a bot is always taking sick leave or not as hard a worker as Mr. Busybot over there, where you have some that are less utilised than others. Yeah, exactly that. All right, great. Well, let's shift gears slightly. So let's talk about some of the pitfalls to watch out for, right? And especially early on in people's journey and lessons that we may have learned along the way. So I guess let me, let me start off with this one, right? So the biggest thing that um, I recommend to people is to, to make sure that they don't think they have to actually automate 100% of the process. So I love Pareto, he's my good old friend, and that's the 80-20 rule. And I always say that if we can automate 80% of that process, that would free up your team's time, your or your team's time actually significantly. Um, and often what we find in that other 20% of the process, that contains the crazy rules and complex logic that often 
only happens very rarely. So the first nugget I often give customers is, well, of course, you may want to automate that full 100% and eventually that, that 20%. You can definitely start off with that 80% scenario because, again, that 80% will save you heaps of time. And often what happens is with that other 20%, that actually takes 80% of the implementation time because you're trying to automate all of those crazy different rules um, that, that we're seeing out there. So definitely, I think the first nugget that I've got is start with that 80% and then you can evolve and iterate from there to try and get up to 100% to create a true end-to-end -end automation. That's really interesting, Sean, because we had very similar learnings and I'm aligned with you there. So two lessons that I would add to the one that you suggested there was one, look at the process first and optimize it with RPA in mind. So yes, take your 80-20 rule, but look at what might work for a human may be different for a bot. For instance, structured data I find is better for bots, whereas people can easily handle unstructured data, like data that's free form in an email versus an Excel input file. The second lesson I would say would be the importance of maintenance changes will happen upstream and downstream. So it's not really set and forget unless you have a totally static process in an unchanging environment. And as you would know, in this VUCA volatile changing world, mm -hmm. it's unlikely that something won't change that will impact the bots. And as we matured through our RPA journey, we saw how important it was to ensure that the bots are maintained and supported so they continue to deliver the business benefits seamlessly. And it was through this that the Robotics Operations Centre, what I like to call the ROC, was born to monitor, support and maintain the bots that made up our digital workforce. Yeah, I love that. I love the name ROC, right? Because it's kind of, it, it emphasises kind of the ROC, the central support structure and everything that the, uh, I guess, the Robotic Operating Centre is, is built on, right? So, so tell me in that. So, I mean, if you had to break down, and I know now we'll, we kind of break it down into plan, build, run, right? So plan is obviously where we plan out all the automations, Build is where we go through and put that through our factory where we build the automations. And then once they go live, we have a whole run center where um, that, that team takes care of all of the running automations. Do you guys set up similarly on your side? Correct. And we have different modes and options in which to do it. So definitely a plan, build, run. And the options are whether the business does the planning and build themselves or utilizes the rock capability to do that. So it's a horses for courses kind of approach. Yeah, I like that, right? And we definitely see that as well. Definitely horses for courses, different. And again, it kind of comes back to that outcome, what you're looking to achieve, and then you pick a strategy and, and go with a different strategy, depend, potentially depending on which outcome you're looking to achieve. All right, excellent. So, so tell me a bit about um, when, you, when you get a new idea in for an automation and before you actually automate it, do you do any process optimization? Most definitely. So we definitely review the process because there's no point in automating a bad process because you'll just do a bad process quicker than with automation. So we look at the process, make sure it's optimised like I mentioned, for a bot rather than human, which is if that's the way we're going. And we look at the type of inputs and outputs and see where we can structure the data, what sort of volumes and things like that before we then have a go at automating the process or developing the bot. 
Yeah, brilliant, right? And, and I often say, right, and, and I love that saying, have a go, because people often ask me, well, where do I get started? And often I say to them, just have a go, right? It's no longer about if you're going to do this anymore, but rather about when you're going to do it. And there are many, many other companies out there, just like many of the listeners' companies that are already using this type of technology to great effect. So you also need to start thinking about that this is no longer going to be a competitive advantage, but rather permission to play and what I mean by that is is this type of automation will just become de facto baked into anyone's kind of uh, processes internally and if you don't have it you won't be able to sit at the table to get going so I always tell people there's no time like the present to have a go and get started on their hyper automation journey I would definitely second that because once you have a go you'll find that you will get the taste for it because it can be so quick and easy to deliver benefits fast and what I'd also recommend is start with the low hanging fruit, but also be prepared to monitor and maintain your bots that you create. So you, once you have a few bots, you can scale fast and still reap the benefits from your bots that you already have. Yeah, definitely, right? And it, it reminds me of running a, a future of work panel very, very soon, right? And there's a great Simon Sinek quote, and it says, what good is an idea if it remains an idea? Try, experiment, iterate, fail, try again and change the world, right? And I really, really love that quote. And maybe just to end off, I mean, obviously you have a very successful robotic operating center there. I mean, has there been some times where you've tried some things and you have failed and you've taken some great learnings out of that? Yes, most definitely. I think the greatest learnings you get are from the things that don't necessarily work the first time. Uh, the other part of my role, which is delivering strategic initiatives uh, for the organization um, with traditional IT solutions, really gives me a good lens of what works and what, what doesn't work for the bots. And there have been attempts where we've come in and found that when you have a hammer, not everything is necessarily a nail. And we found that certain RPA automations are actually easier to do an IT implementation instead. So what works for some things doesn't always work for everything. Yeah, so true, right? And I guess the thing is, if you don't have a go, you'll never fail, you'll never take those learnings and you'll never move forward. And often some of the best learnings come out of the things where we failed. That's right. Awesome. All right, Ruth, so just to end off, I mean, I'm always ask, asking the question, I mean, what are you most excited about that's coming down the line in the robotic process automation space, right? So there's always lots of talk around artificial intelligence and machine learning and being able to use unstructured data and all those types of things. Is there anything specific that you're really excited about? I'm definitely excited about um, AI and machine learning and how we can leverage that to get even more out of the things we're doing and better and faster experiences for our customers. Yeah, awesome. I mean, there's so many great pieces of AI out there at the moment. I know we certainly work on some, some pretty advanced AI projects using things like computer vision and the like, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting to follow that space as we progress over the coming days, weeks, and months. Ruth, I think that's been awesome. I think you've shared some invaluable insights with the listeners today, but uh, just before we leave, is there any parting thoughts or comments you'd like to leave the listeners with? Just that one to have a go and be prepared to monitor and maintain those bots because you will start to use them. It's like you said, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when. 
Yeah, that's exactly it, right? What a great way to end off. And I always say to people, especially in these crazy times, you can automate, which will allow you to survive in the short term, but will build a great place for you to thrive off when we uh, turn the corner. So with that in mind, Ruth, I'd like to thank you very much for your time and your invaluable insights, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you, Sean. It was my pleasure. Be part of the community and join the Automation Alliance at www.automationalliance.com.